Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Dave, a modern-day sage. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks for joining us. Today's metaphysical kernel of thought is Book of the Seen and Unseen. There are many ways to keep an individual record of your practices. Some people use fancy journals and others keep them online so they are even accessible from their phones and are always with them. The name Book of Shadows seems to have gotten its start with Gerald Cardner and the creation of Wicca during the 1950s and has become common practice among witches today to call this record of their personal practices by this name. What people keep in them is mostly a personal matter. However, if they practice as part of a group, there is often group-specific information included. Others keep a separate book that contains only spells, and it is often called a grimoire. This name may come from the old French word, grammaire, which is defined as a learned book. Many people and groups believe that this record needs to be kept secret because it contains hidden occult knowledge not to be shared with outsiders. Those on the path don't believe that there is anything secret about what we believe or practice. So over the years, there has been much discussion about what to call it. We finally hit on a name that seems to work for us, which is a book of the seen and unseen. The seen is the actual written text a record of our practices, studies, rituals, spells, lists of correspondences, and anything else we personally choose to include. It is the documentation of the evolution of our personal practices. The unseen is something intangible. It is our experiences of crafting ritual and magic and the change in growth and the finding of the path for ourselves. In other words, it is our lives as witches and seekers. Good afternoon, Dave. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you? I'm enjoying the sunshine today. You look like you're finally becoming so much more comfortable there at your desk after the after the accident and being out of the sling and whatnot. Oh, you're, yeah. you're looking you again. I am sitting up straighter. I have been to physical therapy today. I have a couple of new exercises. I have had others who have done this to themselves will appreciate that I've reached the stage where I can get deodorant on this arm under this armpit without it being an agonizing process. You know, I mean, hell, life is looking up. There you go. And today was gorgeous blue sky out. Exactly. In November in Rochester, where we live, that is an anomaly. That is savored, like people should be dancing down the street kind of thing. So what's all of this about a book? Okay. I think book is kind of a fancy name. All right. Book you, of the uh, Seen and Unseen. Yes. Well, back in, you have to kind of backtrack because lots of people like to keep some sort of record of what they do. And they collect lists of correspondences and we squirrel them away like you know, girls hiding nuts for the winter, and then we find them 20 years later. And Oh, I remember that one kind of thing. And a record of your practices for Sue and I kind of got distilled down to, used to be called the Book of Shadows, which is the, as you said, is the fancy word for 
came down kind of from the Wicca, Gerald Gardner, you know, and, and it's just a fancy way of saying, okay, whatever you keep track of in your practice, it goes, it goes in that, and it's called the Book of Shadows. And some people get real fancy and keep a separate book for spells so they can find them later more easily in the morass of papers. And Sue and I kind Good of... Lord. Yes. Yeah. So when I kind of distilled it down, we don't need to keep a book of shadows because we don't hide what we do. So what do we call it? Okay. And we kind of muttered around for several years and <laughs> Sue came up with, okay, we could call it a book of the unseen. And I said, yeah, but a lot of our stuff is seen as well. And we suddenly realized that the scene is the written record of stuff we keep, whatever it is. And we do not judge if people keep everything or nothing. But, you know, there is a record out there of what we do in that respect because we did it. And then the unseen is the part where, yeah, we did a really cool ritual and this is what happened to me as a result. And I changed here and I grew here, there and I learned something. You can't see that part, that internal growth of a human being in that respect. Okay. And so it became... So I'm, I'm almost seeing that as the scene is a document of what is done, mm -hmm. and the unseen is a way of recording the experience or what was felt or what was learned or what was grown. And we almost don't record that part because that's... The right. Well, it's recorded on us. Yeah, it's recorded internally on us. You know, and other may, people may see, oh, there's something so much more open in this area all of a sudden. You know, we, the other people may see the results of what we did in that respect. But we're, uh, what we did to get there okay. is sometimes recorded in, as, you know, we did like a full moon ritual or a dark moon ritual or... You know, or, 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 or I did this particular spell, you know. Well, and that's kind of what, at least for my own practice, I don't necessarily have a book of shadows or, or a grimoire. I have a, a binder of when I've participated in rituals with other people over the past few years. Mm -hmm. And if there has been paper instruction or something like that associated, you know, printed emails or whatever, I have a collection of those as a record that I can look back on when I'm reflecting or when I'm trying to be inspired. Mm -hmm. I don't keep a separate book of spells because it's not that I, it's secret or not secret. I literally don't keep track of them. Because if I do write it down, for example, if there's there's paperwork or that kind of stuff, I will save that for a moon. But at the end of that moon, I will destroy it or what have you. I don't necessarily keep it because if I were to write that ritual down and then two or three years later go back and look that ritual up, invariably the day that I am that day is going to look at what I did two years ago and say, yeah, no, that's, it's not me anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I try to so deeply integrate the fact that day to day, I am a different human being that for me, the collection of 
stuff that I've done, like in rituals with you or whatnot, that's more of an anecdotal thing, sort of like a scrapbook to me, I guess, than you would say that it is a book of scene. Yes. It's also it it's also in, in that sense is almost a record of personal growth. Because you can look at that ritual, for instance, from two years ago and say, Wow, I am not that Dave anymore. I am now this Dave. And part of the reason I am this Dave is that I chose to participate in those rituals two years ago. And in that case, it might be almost like, a, a, as you said, anecdotal, a signpost. Sure. You know. Yeah, it's, it's more of a memory, like saving, saving old birthday cards, which I used to do. Oh, sure. I think that's one of the purposes of a book of the scene. In okay. cases. Now, Sue so and I started jotting down the quick spells that we use. So that for the purpose of publishing them. You know. Sure, and, sure, okay, yes. Matt, and if we have done like a really important spell for something. I don't believe you didn't take a moment to mention the title. Okay. You literally did not plug your own book. No one. Come on, do your magic now. (laughs) We are calling it. Oh, God, if I get the title right, I'm tired of the book. All right. I've been buried in the book for months. Remember that part, please. Okay. The official title of the book is Practical Magic and Spells from the Path, a Book of Spells for Witches. And it will be live on Amazon over the next couple of days. Yep. We have uh, we have manuscript um, pre-not-for-sale proof copies in hand yeah. and have made just a couple of little minor alterations, and then it will be available um, print-on-demand via Amazon. And yeah. then we will have some in stock, I think, maybe to uh, have a little swag giveaway or something when we do our YouTube opening. I think um, so. so we're going to have a handful on hand here for anybody in the local area. Who wants them? You know, that's 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 a possibility. But we started noting down our quick spells for, you know, for that purpose in the long run. And we went to a period of time where we were very into jar spells and bag spells and we kind of kept track of what we put in the jar for, you know, right. what that jar was, you know, before it ex- exploded and had to be emptied in the backyard in a couple of cases, or it just kind of moldered and you go, okay, I guess I'm done with that one kind of thing. Or if it was something major, you know. I'm only, I'm only laughing because part of what I did this afternoon out in the bright sunshine was cleaned up the last three rituals worth of housel because when I'm done, I always take a piece of bread and whatever the, the juice and I set them out on the back porch for the birds. And so there's three months worth out there. Would you understand what I'm saying? I do. Sure. Stuff. Like I said, or if the spell was for something major, I want so you the- keep a record of it. A, because that's the sort of thing you can look back on and say, okay, it worked in this instance. How can I adapt it for something else? More than anything. Sure. You know, and, and I'm kind of, I'm, I was, for years, I was the keeper of all of those, as you say, anecdotal ritual things that I will occasionally go through in pirate lines or bits from because I also spend a lot of time writing rituals now for us to, you know, in that respect. So um, it's all on my computer. You know, I just, uh, 
I, I just realized that, yeah, there is a, a book of the seen and unseen in my life in that it's a file folder of bits of poetry and music that I've written over the course of the last 30 or 40 years. There's stuff that I'll, I'll go through that and I, I won't even remember who I was, but I remember that line or whatever. And yeah, I'll turn it into a song or something like that. So there is a repository of old magic if you want to call it that, in that collection of music files and, and, and sometimes just scribbled on napkins and notebook paper or whatever, you know. I think we all choose what we want in our book of the scene and what it represents and what we need it to be. And I think it shifts and changes over the years for people. When Sue and I first met all those years ago, we religiously kept a book of shadows. Right, right. As, I remember those times. As sure. everybody did back then, if you were involved with a Wiccan practice of any kind, and especially if you were involved with a group, because right. you went to group, not, all right. The group common group, language, common learning, yep. Yep, common learning and, and bliss of herbs. This is the herb that we use for this as the part of this group. And correspondences, this, correspondences sure. And all, you know, all that kind of stuff. And you kept it because it was part of your practice at that point. Yes. And it's See, I always, I always avoided that. You know, I, I, I spent most of my spiritual life being the person who didn't know specifically those things that quote everybody knows. Okay. I mean, if everybody knows that red goes for the I. I've avoided those because I, yeah. the, the perspective that it gives me. Gotcha. Um, that's why I, one of the reasons I have so much fun podcasting with you is because I couple the the subject matter that we discuss and we learn uh -huh. with my with my own perspective, and that's why I say, you know, even even this morning, had I written something down to do as a a ritual or let's spell we can uh -huh. call it a recipe. But yep. a recipe that I wrote this morning, if I go up and look at it in an hour, I will not look at it as the same person. No, you won't. And sometimes that's cool. Right. Sometimes we as the humans practicing this need that, for want of a better word, physical evidence that we're changing. Sure. We are often the last to see the growth in ourselves. Sure. Absolutely. You know, um, in, a, in, in a way, um, just to, to bring Susie into it for a minute, but when she first passed, I kept a lot of stuff. <laughs> and as a couple of years have gone by, you know, I've, I've had passes going through stuff and it's, it's a process of distilling down to no i want space in my life for this thing because of the love that i feel when i handle it or touch it or what have you mm -hmm. you know you could you could kind of call the collage on my bedroom wall which is all tickets and things that Susie and i did together mm -hmm. i guess you would you would refer to that then as a 
a way of representing a book of shadows. Oh, or, yeah. I'm sorry, a book of the seen okay. and the unseen. Yes. Because there are both pictures there that you as someone else can look at and see us happy together. But there are also things like bottle caps. Yeah. That, that and a milk ring. And things that are unseen in that only I, when I look at them, mm. can give that meaning. Yes, that's exactly it. I think I, I think I grok the unseen better now. Cause yeah. yeah, there's like, there's like Red Wings tickets and it's, mm-hmm. it's funny enough. There's like three or four sets, but one of the sets it's up there because that's a game we did not go to. Okay. But it's still a memory because it was something that very special happened that day. So, all right. I confess I, I do keep and maintain <laughs> both books. Of the seen and the unseen in probably two or three different formats. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole point. It doesn't <laughs> and it doesn't have to be like a book. This is where people get hung up. It's like you said you have a collage on the wall. Right. Because it has to be a physical book. Right. Mine is a bunch of different crazily named folders and files on my computer that I'm Oh probably- oh oh it- I, I don't want to publicly out you, but I've seen your file structure, honey. Okay. <laughs> You're talking about Trello again. That's a whole different thing. You know? But you but you understand what I am saying. They're on my Oh goodness. They're on my external hard drive, but they make sense to me in yeah. that respect. You know what I'm saying? That's where my crazy witchy brain goes sometimes. Well and in all fairness, when I glanced through looking for a couple of things in that, I did not have any problem understanding what your methodology was. It made sense. Mm-hmm. It isn't the way that I would have done it, but it was done in a consistent and meaningful enough way where, you know, just like we put a, a list of the spells in the new um, Practical Magic and Spells from the Path book. Yeah. Um, Having a list or something like that to refer to sometimes can trigger all kinds of different memories, sure. Yeah, see, this is it. And, and I know how 99 times out of 100, if I can't put my hand on something immediately, I know where to go looking for it. Right, right, absolutely. You know, and, and it's there. And, and, it, and, and part of having, for example, like a file full of rituals that we did brings me joy because it reminds me sometimes that yes I'm magic and yes I'm a witch and yes I participate in the practice of witchcraft. And the two of you combined put a, a lot of energy work in through the years. Oh yeah we did you know we did and there's that and you and I do it a little differently but we still do it. Oh absolutely. You know and, and I think that's important for people who I have listened to the initial episodes of the podcast where it was Sue and I, and now it's you and I. So it's different. But in that sense, the podcast is in its way a book of the seen and the unseen because you can look up any podcast episode. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. And but yeah, I'm trying to set up so that people can go back. I'm trying to set up an index so mm-hmm. that you can get different clips and topics. I'm working yeah. on the tag system for it. But yeah, but it's, but it's the same idea. I mean, the idea is, this is where I want people to understand, and I'm going to say it again, it doesn't have to be a physical book. I don't have a physical book anywhere where I write things down. 
I have a crazy interwoven system of files on a computer somewhere, but it is, and I could print anything. If I probably, if I printed everything, my God, it'd be, I don't even want to think about how many thousands of pages it might be, but I don't I, need to do that. I have a shoebox of stuff from when I was in the Navy. There you go. Same yeah. idea. That's the book of the seen and the unseen because people can see it, you know, you can, they can physically see the stuff, and the but the unseen is your memories looking sure. at that. It's 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 the story that the stuff doesn't tell without me being part of it. Yes, exactly. So in essence, each of yeah. At one they, point when we were <clears throat> when we were talking about this earlier, we had, we distilled the the seen and the unseen down into a record of doing mm -hmm. and a living record of learning. Yes, exactly. Because what is unseen is the person we have become from the doing. Yes. And from creating and working with the scene. Well, and I know, you know, I say I don't keep a book or whatever. That's not to say that I don't use writing a lot in different spell work that I do, no. where I'll write something down in an intention on a piece of paper it's just that when I am done working that intention, I usually ritually burn the paper. Yeah. Okay, but on the unseen level, haven't you internalized that intent? Mm hmm So it is still there. Sure. It's just unseen. It's just unseen. <laughs> ah, well he's well getting, played. <laughs> yeah, okay, he's getting, you're getting the point. I mean, in essence, when you think about it, we are all, if, as practicing witches, walking books of the seen and the unseen. Oh, now I've got you really thinking. About yeah, I, I can't decide whether to, to, to make comedy with it or use it in my elevator pitch. <laughs> I don't know, but I, why not? You know, but it's, it's kind of cool when you think of it in those terms. You well, know, and, and to a certain extent, for you, the set of the four books that you and Susie wrote together, five, excuse me, yeah. um, but the set of books that you wrote together, in a way, is your collective book totally. of seen and unseen, in that it's right there for everybody to read <laughs> what what the process has been and what the path is like and whatnot. But there are different passages in there where you will read and remember conversations and moments, you know, and, and having tea, having tea out in the backyard while I mowed the lawn. Oh, yeah. Or arguments where we, we, we didn't, okay, we didn't argue in that respect. There were occasions where we had discussions about language. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just like you and I do now. It's just a matter of, of, of wording. Absolutely. You know, and, and sometimes we discover that we're we're talking about the same thing. Sure. And we think we're talking about something entirely different, which is why a lot of times you will find me giving definitions when we start something. Oh, I always like that. Part of our writing, I will include definitions to say this is the meaning that we are using. Don't get confused. You know, you All can right. start. I don't don't think we mean X when we mean Y. Why right. complicate things? You know, in that respect. I'm a big believer in, I love language because I'm a writer. <laughs> Let's be honest, I could 
you know, happily spend my day using the largest words possible sometimes just to confound people. There's nothing better than swearing at somebody just using large words from the English language because they have no idea that you're being that insulting. I think you're kind of stretching the seen and unseen thing there, but I also get what you're saying. <laughs> okay, maybe that's a piece of my unseen. I have that extensive vocabulary that I can put out there in the world. Well, that's what I'm saying. What you yeah. are showing to the person that you are talking to isn't the same message. <laughs> no, exactly. You know, and, and, hey, why not have fun with it? Right. So, okay. So let's, let's wrap this up nicely in a little bow for people like we try to do at the end once we've gone around in circles with a topic. Hey, right, Elizabeth, yes. what's a book of the scene and the unseen? Okay, a book of the scene is whatever you choose in whatever form you use to keep it that is a record of your personal practices. And we'll keep it in the witchcraft dimension here. Sure. And if it's part of your life, that's great too because that's also part of your practices. Whether you realize it or not at the moment, like you and your music, right? Oh my God, I've been keeping this for years. And then the unseen is the internal stuff in you that you experience when you did that ritual that you kept the paper about, or the spells that you wrote, or whatever you want to keep in your book. And I think that's it. I think that's the easiest way to describe it. Um, you were starting to, I thought you were saying number one, like you were going to summarize something. I didn't okay, mean to cut you off. And, and I think, like I said, number one, it doesn't have to be a physical book. Right. Okay, we are not saying there's a binder stuffed somewhere in your closet that is your book. Could be. Doesn't have to be. You mentioned the collage when we were talking. I talked about my files yep. on the computer. You know, it can be anything you want it to be. Express yourself however in your scene. And it's one of those things that, like those examples we just mentioned, it's one of those things that sometimes it's a healing thing to take out and and look through and then wrap them back up and put them back away. Yeah, Exactly. You know, or there there are memories of rituals that we did or things we lived through. And as I said, the unseen is us as human beings who are witches and seekers and all of the other names we call ourselves on the path who are, they look at that part of the scene to figure out, okay, I was here, now I'm here. And sometimes it's a, it's a realization, oh, this is how I got here. Sure. And other times it's okay where I'm looking for where I would want to go next. Breadcrumbs to figure out where I've been. Exactly. And other times it's, all right, where do I want to go next? And it gives us an idea of, oh, we used to do this. Sure. You know, and maybe we should go back to that because we went on to something else because it caught our fancy and we got distracted kind of like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there you are. So with that being said, I think that's it, unless you have something to add. I don't. Nope. All right. So until next time, y'all, may you find mirth and reverence in all things. Be safe, be kind, and be loved. While we've been having discussions around what we call our metaphysical kernels of thought, which are the whys that form the basics of our beliefs on the path, we recently realized that we could also share about our practices as well. These are the hows and whats that we, as practitioners on the path, actually do. 
in our own lives. So we're calling this new segment Practices of the Path. This segment will be about everything from the various tools that we work with, as well as those we don't and why, to the solar and lunar cycles, herbs we use, crystals and stones that we work with, candles, incenses, and anything else we come up with that can give an understanding of what we personally do with our magical practices. Today we're going to talk about herbs, and hopefully it won't be the blind leading the blind, because quite frankly, um, Sue was my herb person. I know how to use them and all sorts of things to use them for. Just don't ask me to produce them. <laughs> okay, I have what's left of her gardens outside. And probably, I'm going to say, 60 or 80 mason jars or glass ball jars. So what you're telling me is when those jars run out, we're screwed, huh? <laughs> well, no, because I also know there were herbs she didn't grow, and I'd have her list of suppliers and so on. Oh, um, there we go. Okay. So I think we're covered, but well, let's talk about the use of the herbs, and, and we will let people know if you want to know how to grow them, go find your local garden expert and not us. <laughs> and there's an awful lot of green witches out there. There really are. There's plenty of um, they, There's some crossover there with, with granny witches and some of the Appalachian, you know, tips and tricks and whatnot. Oh, sure. There's all sorts of people out there. And there's your everyday, you know, go to the garden store where you would get plants from in the first place. You know, and if you can grow things, I love you and more power to you. But that's never going to be me. You know. I watched I watched Susie do it and prepare her own sage sticks and stuff like that for years. And while I loved that she did it and it was something very special to her because they burnt different having been wrapped with her own hands. Mm -hmm. But I also watched the process and it just seemed to be more labor intensive than I was willing to put out when I knew I could buy them for three or four bucks a stick. Um, so more often than not, if it's, you know, speaking of herbs and on my altar or doing a working or something like that, more often than not, what I have is sage with something or other blended with it. But I, I usually get the pre-store made sticks. Mm -hmm. So when I used to joke that sage was her spirit plant. Right, right. Because she'd say, okay, I'm not growing sage this year. And then come October, she'd have one of those giant lawn and leaf bags full of sage leaves that were being harvested for whatever purposes we needed. So Those yeah. will be the jars that will run out to last, yes. I think yeah. we could survive the apocalypse and still have three or four yeah. jars of sage laying around here. I would agree. So now, all joking aside, herbs is part of your practice. Incense comes to mind, first of all. Various blends that you can buy or make yourself are full of herbs. You know, as a baker, I have been known to put herbs in bread. For well, I've, I've taken leaves from her gardens and dried them up and then just ground them and put them right on charcoal. Mm -hmm. That's all you need. Incense, you know, and lots of people use herbs as correspondences for spells. Sure, sure, yeah. yep. In fact, I even, think, I even think in a handful of the spells that I've learned from you guys over the years, some of them had cinnamon as a component or something like that, which, okay, it's a spice, but it's in the same area with herb. Well, sure. I, I think those kind of all go together as like herbs in that respect. Sure. 
because there's there's lots of kitchen witches out there who will say all those spices and herbs in your kitchen cabinet are perfectly acceptable as spell working ingredients. Well, that that's true. Now that I think of it, more than once I've used ginger root or something like that, you know, as part of uh, a little plate spell or something that I was doing. Yeah, exactly. So you have that going on, and when you think about it. Um, you can use your herbs and spices while you're cooking to do spell work. So, you know, there's herbs. There's another use for herbs. Season your tomato sauce in a certain way or put a pinch of this in your cookies or your dinner preparation for yourself. So <clears throat> let me ask you a kind of an offshoot question, but do sure. you have a separate stash for a particular herb? You, would you say as an example? Um, or rosemary. Do you okay. have a separate rosemary that you use from cooking than the rosemary that you use for your sacred or magical work? No, not really. I'm just okay. curious about that because I've asked that question of other people. And there are some people that, I mean, there are some people that will get some store-bought products and then bless them in mm. their own way, put them in a jar of their own and consider them to be sanctified or something like that okay. but I, I didn't know if you were one of those from my point of view if i was doing a spell and i need, needed something i would not hesitate to reach for my spice rack yep, me either. And so at the same time when i'm standing there cooking some marinara or something like that yeah mm -hmm. i would not hesitate to go over on my holy shelf and put a pinch of whatever i don't i i consider that if i have it available that it's holy I think as part of the spell, if you are working a spell and you're using an herb as a correspondence, I don't think it matters where you get it from because I tend to be a practical witch. Whether it came out of a stash that was sitting on a, on a shelf somewhere, you know, in a personal apothecary, for want of a better word, or if it's sitting in the spice rack in my kitchen, as part of the spell work, it becomes blessed or sacred. In my mind, I think. Oh, that's a that's a good way to see it. Sure. You know what I'm saying? When you're using it, it, it's all about purpose again. If I'm cooking, and I'm not doing spell work, and I'm throwing rosemary in something, it's just rosemary because I need it for the chicken. Right. You know, if I'm doing spell work, it's sacred rosemary. And you hear the capital S, the capital S, the capital R in there. You know what I'm saying? Sure, I do. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the big difference for a lot of people is it's all about purpose and intent that you're using the herb for. Sure. As opposed to where you got it from. Well, and at least the way I operate, if I'm going to use an herb for a correspondence of a specific thing, like an element or something like that, mm -hmm. then yeah, it has those properties because it, it has been so imbued. Exactly. And we are the ones who imbue them as witches and magical people. Yes, we do. And I think that's the important part thing for people to remember is that you do not need to go out and spend, you know, 110 bucks an ounce on something. When you can find it at the grocery store for four ninety nine. I am so sorry I made it this I far know, through this I episode you before I talked about the eight hundred pound gorilla. Oh, yeah, I was coming. I was coming. We'll just leave that one alone. 
absolutely, you know absolutely. But you know what I'm saying? There have been times when you go to the metaphysical store and you see some herb that is pre, you know, packaged up and said to be blessed and sacred and all of this, and it's super expensive. And it's there at the dollar store, for God's sake, in the little shaker bottle where right. you know you can go home and bless it yourself for that same sacred purpose for a lot less money. Sure. You know, so that's the practical piece. But I mean, like I said, we use herbs for incense. Let's get back on track, you and I. Lots of people, when they use them as spell correspondences, they will dress a candle with them. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the fire safety marshal in the back of my head is like, you don't have to, you know, cover it in the herb. A little pinch or two on the candle is fine, you know. Another so thing that Susie used to do that I used to recommend to customers that wanted to to sage cleanse or something like that and needed the, the smoke or the scent or the essence of something but couldn't have fires is she used to throw a bunch of herbs with some water in her electric tea kettle, mm -hmm. get them good and hot, and then pour them out in a shallow bowl. Mm -hmm. And you get all of that steam rolling off of it. All of it has the essence of whatever herb, you know, that you have in solution anyway. Um, okay. So that's a way of sort of being able to, to transmute the herb. You could also literally make a spray in a, in a spray bottle. Sure, sure. Yep. I've done that. Um, there are times of year where my allergies are real bad. And I can make a spray, pick a little lemon juice or a little witch hazel so it lasts in the fridge. Yep. And, and imbue it that way and spray it around. And it fulfills the same purpose. Sure. There's, so a, hand, handful of There's a handful of uh, medical uses um, different methodologies for using colt's wood as well. Mm -hmm. um, it helps helps me a lot when I start to have bronchitis problems some winters. So anyway, herbs. Yeah. Yes, as you said, a medicinal. Okay, we do not endorse personal, you know, any herbs for medicinal use unless you have verified them with somebody who is, say, a homeopathic doctor. Sure. Or a licensed herbalist. Yeah, don't read everything that you read on the internet or don't believe no, it. No, no, no. And do not immediately stop taking any medication that you're taking from your doctor because you think an herb is going to be beneficial. Yeah. And if you're taking herbal supplements, you should tell your doctor. Sure. You know, there's lots of people who take them and don't even consider how they might interact with mainstream medications that they get prescribed. Right. You know. Okay. So that's another use of herbs, but I think that's about as far as we should take things because you and I aren't herb experts. No, no. I mean, it's it's a component, but to be honest, nine times out of ten for me, and like I said, I, I use different um, bundles of sage that have been, you know, with cedar in it or lavender in it or something okay. like that. For me, it's less about the herb and more about the smoke. Yes. Um, but I think for Sue, it was more about the flavor and the the texture. Um, you know, she used to grab random leaves and just chew on them to understand what the plant was feeling. And, mm -hmm. and yeah. it was part of her magic. Well, yeah, it was. And she she was very much a green witch. I used to, I used to adore coming to the backyard when she was out there because the plants were happier and you could tell. I <laughs> see her out there all the time. 
Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better, because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. For today's tip, trick, or witchy hint, I want to talk about embracing the darkness as a time to heal. I'm going to start off just a little bit with a a description of what I feel um, a lot of people are diagnosed about what a lot of people are diagnosed with as seasonal affective disorder. Um, This is not something new. I've struggled with this for 40 years, even before they had actually decided for a name and put it in the medical journals. Um, It's not something new, and, and it's not a pattern. No matter what else has changed in my life, I always tend to struggle with the constant gray days and the short days and long nights it's it's just part of day and science has taught us that we know you know what it is that causes it um so we have these fancy light lamps that you can put because you need to have light shine down in particular receptors in your eyes to stimulate what would be just going out and going for a walk um and vitamin d and so on and so forth a lot of times we don't take time to take those fresh or air walks or we don't have time to do that. We don't have the resources to have one of those light lamps. So the reality of it is we are going to be in a period where it seems like we are often sad. This is really a thing. And and, and too many of us, I know there's folks out there that can relate to this. And I think I understand the why of it. And it, it, believe it or not, it comes back for me to electric light. When we invented electric light and brought it into our homes as the primary source of our light, we were able to read more and extend the day and do so many more things around the home. But at the same time, I think it sort of decoupled us from the natural rhythm that is built into the sunrise and the sunset if you if you look at any native tribal or instinctive people they're the healthiest human beings are those that follow a sunrise and sunset pattern as those two as opposed to those who follow a rigid timetable or an eight to five clock or what have you so we understand that this time of year is just a struggle in a bunch of different directions Now, how is this, and thank you for bearing with me on my rant, by the way, but how is this a tip, trick, or witchy hint? Well, in discussion with Elizabeth the other day, um, obviously talking about the path and whatnot, as we often do, I was describing to her that from the path perspective, this dark half of the year or the darkening times of the year, and I'll, I'll get into a little bit of that, but these are a time of introspection, of reflection. And I think natively in our primitive brains and brain stems, I think for hundreds of thousands of years, this has been the time when we have tucked into our cave, we have conserved our energy, we have conserved our resources, and we have taught and healed and thought about things and been able to reflect 
because we're not crazy busy out there either making something or building something or hunting something or whatever. And, and I really believe there's strong value in that natural tendency where the summer is for the doing and the growing and the winter is for the thinking and for the healing. So I recognize that from the autumn through the winter are all darkening times as the day is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And so by my body knows that this is a cue to go into this sort of darker cycle. And so recently I've looked out the window and instead of looking at the dark sky at 430 and thinking, man, it's dark already and that always depresses me. I simply changed my thought to, okay, I understand that this is the time of year when it's dark at 430. This means I'm not out in the garage or out in the yard or not on a job site. I have the opportunity to be here safe and warm and in my home where I can reflect and I can grow and I can heal. And then for me, it's always been special, but for the solstice, which is that longest, darkest night, the the next three or four days after my body feels the light growing, even though it's still dark most of the time, my body knows that spring is happening and that the cycle has started again. So perhaps this year, instead of struggling with my seasonal depression, I'm going to try to embrace the fact that I have this time to think and understand and heal. And I just wanted to share that with y'all. I look forward to the early darkening skies now. I can focus on my inner universe. I'm less distracted, less focused on the doing and more on the understanding. I believe that if I can teach my spirit to look forward to and embrace these shadowy months, like the body looks forward to and embraces the bright months, it can become more comfortable in the cycle of dark and light, of long and short, within and without. Be safe, be kind, and be loved. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday. But you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two, Young Crones. We'd love to have you join our growing online Discord community. Check out our new Patreon presence. Just look for Young Crones Cafe. Through Patreon, you'll be able to make it to our Discord. We are also Young Crones Cafe on Twitter and Facebook. Until then, remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedgewalkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. And we are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So mode it be. So mode it be.